Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. I'm going to have you open up your Bibles if you have them and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm not going to say a lot about the obedience of a child, although the centerpiece verse that I'm going to be working from in the next two weeks is Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Let me just read that verse. Paul wrote to the church of Colossae and he said, children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Verse about an obedient child. But I'm not going to say much about the obedience of a child. However, everything that I'm going to say today and next Sunday, Lord willing, is going to be Extremely influential in developing a child that that lives out the reality of Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. What I want to show you is five truths, the Sunday and the next, about developing the heart of a child. Last Sunday, as we talked about parenting, the last point that I made as the one of highest priority is to prize the heart of your child. As you as a parent look at your child's life and value things about your child, my encouragement and I believe the biblical encouragement is this, above all else, Prize the development of the heart of your child because the heart is the wellspring of life. It is that which is going to have the greatest influence and pour into or flow out from the heart will come the things that will determine the life. And so the heart should be the focal point. And as we look in Scripture, we find out that that is precisely what God's focal point is. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. Scripture says God looks at the heart. And so, as we work through Colossians here, a few verses in Colossians, I want to show you from here five key truths about developing the heart of the child to expand upon that last point from last Sunday. And these five truths are five needs that a child has. Five significant needs for their development into the potential that God has created them for. But as we start, let me just identify kind of as the basic truth what the goal of parenting should be from Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Let me read it again. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I think that from that verse right there, we can extract a very simple and concise statement 
of the will of God for you as a parent related to your children. And it is this, to raise up a child that will please the Lord. What God wants you to do, the, the charge that He has given you as a parent is to raise up a child to the best of your ability that pleases the Lord. You know, your child may bear your name, but whose child is it really? You see, it's not ownership with you, it's stewardship. God is the creator. And so he has given you a charge in giving you a child or giving you children. And what he wants from you as a parent is to set your heart on raising up a child with a heart that pleases the Lord. Well, over a decade ago, it was 12 years ago, as I was studying through this section in Colossians, going through this picture of a family as it develops here, I believe I'd received from the Lord just a, I didn't see any vision, but the kind of the mental picture came to my mind of a painting. A large oil canvas painting. And on that painting, there was depicted in vivid color the truth that is included in Colossians chapter 3 verses 17 to 21 related to developing the heart of a child. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk you through as we begin here that picture. And I want to do that like this. It'll be a little unusual. I want you to cooperate with me. It'll be my words and your imagination. And I want to describe a scene or a number of scenes on a painting and have you try to picture those in your mind. If it would help you to close your eyes as we do this, certainly uh, you can do that. It would help with distraction. But just let's cooperate together here for a moment. You visit an art gallery, very prestigious art gallery. And as you begin to tour the art, it is very obvious that the pieces that are there were produced from the masters of the trades. Whether it is brush and canvas or chisel and stone, they are exquisite works of art. And as you are taking in the scene, you come up to a large, large canvas oil painting. And it grips you. As you stand in front of the painting, there, as large as life, centered 
in the painting is the artist's depiction of a child. Young child, a young boy, maybe five or six years old. And it's gripping in its beauty. It's almost as if the child is living there on the canvas, his eyes peering into yours. His face is wrapped in an expression of joy and peace. Heart-melting smile. What a vibrant life is depicted there. And then you begin to scan around the rest of this large canvas. And though you were drawn initially to the picture of the child that is foremost, you begin to see that around the child are other scenes, smaller but vibrant and beautiful as well, that are surrounding this child. First, your attention is drawn up above the child because the light in the child's eyes in his glimmer and in his face, that shining countenance, what you notice is the colors that were used to do that are trickling down from above. And as you follow those colors up, there above the child, there is a throne painted. A throne of majesty and glory with the colors that are in the face and the gleam of the child that are obviously cascading from the throne down providing that joy into the life of the child. And you're struck by the connection. You wonder, what what is the author saying? Then you continue your gaze and look to the right of the child and there to the right of the child is the picture of a man and a woman in an embrace. A beautiful scene. As you look closely at this man and woman in an embrace, you're struck by the skill of the painter who with such craft was able to paint into their expressions the idea of love and mutual accountability. And then as you look closer, it becomes obvious, oh, This is the mom and the dad. I can see the resemblance in the lines of the face of the child. Same character lines, but also same joy, same peace. And again, you're struck. What does this mean? What does this mean? Then you follow the picture circle around and below the child 
Again, is another scene. Dad and mom and child. And in this scene, the little boy is sitting on a bike, white-knuckled to the handlebars, eyes big as silver dollars, hair blowing it, wind blowing through his hair as he zooms down the street in his first inaugural two-wheel ride. And behind him, there's mom with an expression of both excitement and a little anxiousness in her eyes as she applauds and the father standing there, both fists thrust in the air in triumph as he watches his boy. Incredible picture. Incredible message. And then you follow the circle around and there to the left of the child. It's a picture in the home, in the study. Father is sitting at his desk, working about his duties. Behind him in the corner sits a little guy in his own little desk, paper scattered, watching his father mimicking the actions of his chief role model. As you complete that circle of those secondary pictures around the center piece, then you notice even further out along the periphery of the large canvas, there's a number of even smaller scenes randomly spread around. Scenes that have within them the same father and the same mother and the same child at various stages of the child's life. And each of these scenes, there is the father and the mother and the child engaged in some activity like taking cookies to the neighbor next door, backyard barbecues with people around the house, acts of service done to nameless faces, and on and on around the periphery. And you stand there, your mind swimming over all of these incredible scenes by this unmatched author, unmatched painter. And then it hits you. I see. I see the message. That the painter with his brush and his palette of colors without one word spoken has communicated an incredible message on the canvas with the colors. And the message is an incredible one. 
It's a picture of a child that is living a truly blessed life. A life of joy and a life of peace and a life of harmony and a life of purpose because he has a father and a mother that are teaching and encouraging and guiding and loving and correcting and instructing him. All under the blessing from above. And you, your thoughts turn to the painter. Who is this painter? And you begin to look for his signature, his autograph. At first you don't see it, but then you realize that along the bottom of the painting, almost camouflaged in the colors, there is the name, the title, and it says, the Holy Spirit. That picture that you and I just cooperated together on, my words, your imagination, that picture is painted by the words of Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the order given in Colossians 3, 17 to 21. And so what I want to do is I want us this Sunday and the next to look into those verses. And I want to show you draw out the truths there that correspond to those pictures surrounding that child from the text of the Word of God. And again, the purpose of this is to help us learn to influence, to parent, influence those that God has given to us, developing their heart for the purpose of them living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, 17 to 21. Let's read that together. What I'm going to ask you to do, just in honor to the Word of God as we read this, would you just stand for a moment? Colossians three seventeen to 21. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. may be seated. So let's walk through these five truths about developing the heart of the child as they come to us in the unfolding text here. And the first one in order and the first one in priority comes in verse 17. Where it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, 
do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You see, Colossians 3.20, the text of the child that is obedient and pleases the Lord, the text that reveals the goal of parenting to raise a child that pleases the Lord has a context around it that explains how to get it done. And the first way, the most important component is the spiritual component identified right here in verse 17 and it is this what the child needs son or daughter what they desperately desperately need is a father and a mother who in whatever they do in word or deed they do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that's what they need more than they need anything They need a father and a mother who are after God. They need a father and a mother whose spiritual pursuit is more than a drive to church on Sunday morning. They need a father and a mother who live on a journey in pursuit of a growing relationship with God, who are living their lives under the Lordship of Jesus, trying to determine day in and day out, even though they're imperfect, but making a significant effort to whatever they do in word or deed to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what they need. That is going to have the greatest impact upon their life. Now, if you question whether that is of the highest importance, let me just have you consider two words Time and eternity. And let's just logically think about the importance of the spiritual reality for a moment and your role as parents there. Do you know what you're raising as a parent? You're raising a little immortal. Do you know that? You're raising a little immortal. And the Space within which you have to raise that child is a little slice between two eternities called time. Time that compared to the two eternities is like the twinkling of an eye. It's like a vapor that appears for a short time, Scripture says, and then vanishes. It's just this one little moment between two endless eras. Yet what you do in that one little moment is going to impact the eternity that is to come for the child. (coughs) Oh, how critical that you spend the twinkling of an eye 
in all that you do, whether in word or in deed, doing all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus, in front of your child, for your child, over your child, beside your child, so that your child sees that Jesus is the centerpiece of life. Because that is what is going to impact their eternity and you just have a little time in which to do it. I got a 22-year-old. I know I look much younger than that. Oh, but that time went by just like that. Do I have any regrets? I have a lot of regrets. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Pastor Brad, this is hard to hear because... I mean, I didn't come to the Lord until later. Or I was slow catching on and now my kids are growing up or they're already grown and gone. Listen to me. If you're still drawing breath, if your heart is still beating, you can still influence. So this is not about condemnation over what you didn't do in the past. This is about getting serious about what you are doing in the present and you're going to do in the future. You see, God is the Redeemer. And He, like He redeems lives, He can redeem time. He wants to redeem time for you with those that you influence. And the best way to influence them is to be on a pilgrimage yourself. So that whatever you do, in word or in deed, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus to the best of your ability. That's what your kids need. That's what's going to impact them when... 10 billion eras have come and gone. It's still going to be impacting them what you did with that little piece of time. Secondly, eternity. You see, the spiritual component that I'm talking about here, this component of the highest of importance, not only influences the eternal, but that spiritual influences today as well and tomorrow right here before that eternity starts. In fact, the spiritual component is the component that is going to open so many doors that nothing else will open in this life right here. Doors like this, the door of joy, the door of peace, the door of fulfillment, the door of purpose, the door of hope. All of those are opened and only opened by the spiritual reality of life. And those are the big doors. You want to open the doors of opportunity for your children, then in the spiritual commitment of your parenting, you need to do all that you do in word or in deed in the name of the Lord Jesus as you believe Jesus would have you do, looking to Him, asking Him for direction. 
Even to make that commitment today. If you've never done that in the past, say today, I'm starting that today. It is priority number one. It is need number one. Because what they were created for by God, do you know what your children were created for by God? They were created as spiritual beings. That's why they're immortal. With the capacity to have a relationship with their Creator. They were created for the purpose of living for His glory. And so, what they need is a mom and dad that does all that they can to help the son or help the daughter connect to the spiritual reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ. In a life lived for him. You see, I'm just going to read this statement here. The spiritual component is not going to be fully met the way God intended unless there's a father and a mother who, whatever they do, in word, instruction, Indeed, action are doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That little immortal will encounter Jesus in the home. How? They'll encounter Jesus in the home as the big immortals in the home are walking with him. Here's the second Desperate need and key truth in Colossians three seventeen to 21. It comes in verses 18 and 19, and it is this. It's the relational component. The first in verse 17 was the spiritual component, and the connection there was the picture from above, that light from the throne cascading down upon that child, that spiritual connection. And then secondly, in verses 18 and 19, the relational component is the picture to the right, the father and the mother in an embrace. Written on the lines of their face and in their expressions, the character of love and mutual respect. You know what it is? It's a picture of oneness. That embrace is a picture of oneness to people God taking and making them one. The second greatest thing your children need is they need a father and a mother who are living in the oneness that God accomplishes. living out that covenant relationship of marriage as God designed it to be lived out. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Here's the picture related to that scene on the right. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. There's the picture of the roles within a home 
a child that has a father and a mother, a father who loves his wife or is really striving to love his wife as Christ loved the church and learn in growing fashion what that looks like and a wife who responds to that with submission and respect to her husband, that relationship provides for that child things that nothing else will provide. Like security. Like happiness, like contentment, like peace. That child gets value and that some of the deepest needs of the life met as they watch the exchange between father and mother. And a child that does not have a father that loves his wife as Christ loves the church, but is harsh and is bitter toward her. And a wife that does not respect and submit to her husband, that, but that tries to manipulate and control and is vindictive. That pours into that child's life, not the positive, but the damaging, the discouraging I do not believe that we as parents can replace in the life of a child the blessings that come to them through a covenant relationship between husband and wife lived out as God would have it by anything else. We can't try harder as parents and say, man, we're going to really just focus on our kids and pour into our kids and pray more for our kids and ignore the relationship between our spouse or let that fall apart. Nothing that you do to try to help your child is going to supplant what your child will get in a relationship between husband and wife that is biblically oriented. Nothing will replace that. Nothing can substitute for that. Let me just say a few words here again. Maybe you say, well, Brad, it's over for me then. I'm divorced or my family broke up. Or my kids are already gone and I don't have the chance anymore to do that. Yes, you do have a chance. You have to start living today in word or in, in deed as God wants you to. And in the relationship that you do have, that you are in, live that in a God-honoring way, a Christ-exalting way. No, you can't unscramble an omelet, but God's bigger than that. And he doesn't want to condemn you over the past, but he wants to empower you in the present and direct you for the future. To every 
husband and wife, whether your kids are just starting their life or grown and out of the house, there is still time for an eternal impact through the spiritual influence and the relational influence. Just do it as long as you got breath from this point forward. And throw yourself upon the mercy and grace of God and beg Him to redeem and beg Him to do what you can't do. But do what you know to do. And do it with all your heart. Whatever you do in word or deed. What we'll do next week is we'll look at the final three components in this passage here, completing this scene that is depicted there in our mind's eye. Would you please stand as we close here? Let me just say this. We have an elder, two here this morning, If you want to be prayed for, prayed over, prayed with, you can certainly come to the altar over here and we'll meet you there and pray for you, pray for your parenting, pray for your kids, whatever you desire. Just trust the God of power and goodness to do what only He can do. Let's pray. Father, Well, it's just good to call you that in light of our subject matter this morning. Thank you that you're the perfect Father. Father with all wisdom. Father who knows us intimately as parents that before you everything is laid bare about us. Your gaze sees all. Your mind knows all. You've called us to some pretty high standards as parents, given us an incredible charge. Here, raise this immortal. To grow up and live a life that pleases me. That's, that's your charge to us. But thank you that you never call where you, can, you can't equip or you don't equip. And... I, That even means, even if the child, that, as some might phrase it as an illegitimate child, that's, there's no illegitimate children. The miracle of, of child conception happens by the power of God. Regardless of whatever else is involved there, it's God that does that and forms that child. And so, God, we, we just ask asking you for your help to be faithful in the calling that you've given to us whether our kids are in the home or they're grown and beyond or whether we don't have kids or we have those that we influence that you've given to us thank you for that and we want to do that in a way that would honor you to live in such a way that whatever we do in word or deed is done in the name of the Lord Jesus living a life of thankfulness before you living in a biblical relationship with our spouse and toward our kids so that the blessings from the throne can flow unhindered 
into the lives of those you entrusted to us. We ask you to do that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.